You're listening to Oak City Move, a new podcast from 88.1 WKNC, highlighting people doing positive things in Raleigh and beyond. Oak City Move can be heard on air every Friday morning from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. on 88.1 WKNC or online at wknc.org listen. For episodes and more information, go to blog.wknc.org or follow us on SoundCloud at WKNC881. 88.1 WKNC. You're listening to the Oak City Move weekly program here on WKNC. My name's Sarah, and I'm going to give you a list of some awesome events that you can attend here in the Triangle that fit along with our themes and messages. The first is um, a screening and discussion of campus rape with a screening of the film The Hunting Ground. Um, the Hunting Ground is a documentary that looks at all the different aspects uh, of rape on college campuses and why it's such a prevalent issue. Um, this will be at Sass Hall on NCSU's campus, which is at 2311 Stinson Drive here in Raleigh, North Carolina. And that is tomorrow from 6.30 to 9. Again, it'll feature a screening of The Hunting Ground as well as um, a talk from one of the main uh, producers of the film. Second event I have for you guys is on August 12th, um, and it is a tie-dye picnic hosted by the LGBT Center of Raleigh Youth Programs. And it, that, again, is on Saturday from 1 to 4 p.m. And uh, it's just an event to bring together uh, the youth LGBT community of Raleigh, North Carolina, so you can come visit other people uh, from the community, and they'll have tie-dye and games and food at their back-to-school picnic. Finally, we have another event on August 12th, which is Saturday from 6.15 to 7 p.m. It is part of the Y'all at Dick's Park um, series, and it's going to be featuring artists such as Zensify, The Velt, The BQs, and Ivy Hill. Um, in addition to music, there's going to be food, brews, arts, games, and a whole lot more to do, so you can check that out this Saturday at Dick's Park. Next up, we're going to listen to a couple more songs. Uh, next, we have Murder to the Mind by Tash Sultana. And in a little bit, we're going to be hearing from a local artist, uh, sorry, not local artist, a local author uh, here from the Triangle. Her name is Suzanne Miller, and we're going to be talking about her new book, Queen, which deals with issues such as sexuality and race in the South. 88.1 WKNC. That song you just heard was called I'll Make My Money Dreaming by Moons of Mars. My name's Sarah, and you're listening to Oak City Move, and we're here with Suzanne, who is a local author here in from North Carolina, and she's here to talk about her new book, Queen. Hey. Sarah. So tell me, Suzanne, what, how did you get started with writing? I've been writing probably ever since I can remember. My dad was an English major and we really didn't even have television in the main room of my house or that I remember much until I was probably in fifth grade. So we oh, read yeah. a lot and I was read a lot too. And just writing was fostered. My mom was a songwriter. So it was just kind of part of growing up. Mm-hmm. Just part of like the experience that you had in your childhood, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely identify that. My mom was an English teacher, so. But, so, what kind of genre do you write? Like, what is your writing, like, what does it kind of take its shape in? I would say, um, because I'm a big Tarantino fan, so (laughs) I hate to hijack his stuff, but I would say it's, I try for it to be kind of Tarantino meets McCarthy, a Cormac McCarthy kind of thing. Um, I definitely try to write about things that will unnerve people a little bit Mm -hmm. and that maybe they will read about but they would not want to necessarily meet the characters that it's about and it kind of makes them more comfortable with different walks of life that they're not always into or wanting to be around so what got your start into professional writing so obviously you know 
it's one thing for somebody to be a writer like in their own like free time but like to get published is a really big deal you know well and i mean everybody has levels of that yeah. like i've uh just this year you know started to do more publishing and have more publications and but i'm 39 years old mm-hmm. um still haven't like gone the mainstream publishing route yeah. per se but a lot of people aren't doing that as much mm-hmm. anymore so yeah i mean i still have a day job uh but i get to intertwine my writing a lot. My day job does afford me a lot more time to write. Yeah. Um, I taught school for years and that kind of incorporated writing. But then I was able to sort of transition into something where half the year I get quite a few hours a week to write. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think just plugging away. I recently read uh, Roxanne Gay's newest book, Hunger. Yeah. She did a memoir and she talked about how, you know, for years she was doing her day job and she was just putting in those hours mm-hmm. and realizing she was just plugging away. And she still actually has a day job. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think you just have to keep plugging away at it and envision, keep envisioning your future self, yeah. what you want to be doing. But also realize like to me to shut yourself in a, in a room and just write. Yeah. Um, I probably never do that. I'll probably never write full time. Yeah. I will always have at least a part time job where I'm out with people mm-hmm. because then who are you writing for? Yeah. You know, and some authors, they really, I think, start to decline when they break into it full time. And I'm a big fan of Elizabeth Gilbert that did Eat, Pray, Love. Yeah. She has a great book on writing called Big Magic. And she talks about how she didn't even, you know, stop her day job till her third or fourth book Mm -hmm. sold and went pretty well. Yeah. Um, Because it puts a lot of pressure on your creativity. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just find people so fascinating. And being around different types of people really gives me an opportunity to find new stories. Yeah. So, but yeah, all that to say that I do, I do write, but I also have a day job that makes bread and butter. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So would you say that your experiences, I guess, sort of find, help you find your voice in terms of writing and things like that? Or what other things? Oh, yeah. You know? I think, well, growing up and even specifically to speak to kind of one of the things that led me to write Queen, um, growing up, I worked from sixth grade on after school in, a thr- in like a consignment slash, mm-hmm. you know, vintage store. Oh, yeah. And it was one of the few places in my town where you would have people of extreme wealth come and then people who were just walking on the street and Mm -hmm. just happened to want to get cool and get a drink and maybe buy something for a dollar if they could. Um, So it was a great variety of a lot of different types of people. We also would have transgendered or cross-dressing people come from miles away Mm -hmm. because they love the vintage clothes. And my boss was kind of known for treating people with equality you know, mm-hmm. not having any differentiation between anyone. Yeah. And that was a huge thing for me as mm-hmm. a 12, you know, to 13-year-old getting that yeah. exposure that my other friends weren't having of all different variety of people. Yeah. So that probably lent itself to me, you know, having different mindset for different walks of life that other people wouldn't wouldn't have access to. Yeah. So you keep referring to your new book, Queen. So tell me a little bit about that, like sort of the summary of it. Yeah, so Queen is about a transgendered African-American woman in the South. And she ends up moving across the street with her partner when she and her partner inherit some property. Mm -hmm. And they move from Florida and think they're going to have their own restaurant, kind of have a new life. But she underestimates the level of, like, racial tension in the suburbs around Atlanta. So she moves across the street from Charlotte Grace, who is the DA's daughter, Mm -hmm. very prominent in the community, And it's kind of a crucial time in Charlotte Grace's life because she's angsty, not really (laughs) happy where she is. She doesn't fit where she is either. Mm -hmm. And so it delves a little bit into that suburban disgruntlement. 
and that wealth is not everything, but it very much plays on their relationship with the racial tension, the sexuality um, issues that Charlotte Grace has never faced before where she lives. You know, her parents kind of moved her there so she wouldn't face any of those things. Um, So, yeah, Queen is just pretty confrontational just being who she is. Mm -hmm. But she's like this effervescent person full of, you know, liveliness and light. And I'm very much about making the main character or a character that people think is going to be villainous Mm -hmm. or seems villainous to them just by what they are. I'm very much about making them the hero. Yeah, just kind of like breaking down those stereotypes. Right. Yeah. So... Obviously, you, you're a cis woman, correct? And you're also white. So what was it like writing? And like, how did you sort of do your research um, for writing about a character who has some identities that you do not have personally? Yeah, that's a good question because I've had some people sort of uh, act like well, you're not qualified yeah. to write this. Number yeah. one, I'm not black and I'm mm-hmm. not transgender. I have had transgender friends and gay friends throughout you know, my life, um, predominantly one main friend I thought of that I was really close with, and she moved to New York now, so I hated I miss her. I was just emailing her today, but she <laughs> was able to relay a lot of experiences to me um, about just the culture and her feelings of being an outsider, and I experienced a lot even just being with her and seeing mm-hmm. how people treated her. Yeah. And that really, aside from the fact of working in the store that I talked to you about, mm-hmm. I didn't like the way people treated transgendered people then. Yeah. Um, and saw the different way that my boss treated them, mm-hmm. that she treated them well and just like anyone else. But uh, then having that friend and sort of having experiences build. When I lived in Georgia, we lived a block away. My husband and I were doing some projects in Georgia, helping people put together free art initiatives, children's yeah. camps, stuff like that. We lived in a pretty rough section of Augusta, mm-hmm. and I'd had the idea for a while that I knew I wanted to do something on um, sexuality and gender, and this was way before, like, things got into the mainstream more Yeah, with, you know, the gender sort of transformation, um, probably the year before that. Yeah. And I knew, you know, it would eventually evolve because that was important to me that people, no matter what you agree or don't agree with, you don't treat them differently. Mm-hmm. And um, especially in religious communities, yeah. that's always bothered me that somehow people find that that's okay to do. So I knew I would write about that. But then we lived a block over from uh, a woman that, from what it appeared to me, she definitely was an escort. She would get picked up mm-hmm. a lot by different guys. She would come out dressed to the nines. But just a beautiful African-American, tall, but obviously had been or still was transitioning and was a man at one point. Yeah. But just seeing how people treated her and a a few times seeing that she was beaten up. Oh, wow. And at that same time when we lived there, my friend that was transitioning that was living back here in Raleigh, Mm -hmm. she had a situation with her roommates and became homeless and called. And normally I would be like, hey, come stay with me for a while. Yeah. But the neighborhood we were in was so against anything like that. I couldn't have left her home by herself. Yeah. So we instead loaned her money to get another place up here. Mm -hmm. But that disturbed me very deeply that for the first time in my life, I lived somewhere where I knew I could not invite someone that had a different lifestyle like that. Yeah. An alternative lifestyle. And so then it kind of really took off where I thought, Mm -hmm. okay, well, I don't want to write about myself, but what if this young girl lives in Georgia yeah. And she has this person move across the street and it kind of spiraled and went from there. So when you were like taking into all of this into account when you were writing, 
did any of the like current events that were going on at the time of the writing of the book sort of influence, especially like things like marriage equality in the United States and different issues like that that are still going on, debates about them are going on today. Um, did any of that influence your writing or anything about the characters? Yeah, sure. Well, what's weird is, though, I really started writing this before that happened, before yeah. that was all in the mainstream. Yeah. And I think that's how you know you're on track yeah. as a writer if you're almost forecasting mm-hmm. kind of what's going on. So that influenced my editing a little bit, but I was yeah. careful not for it not to influence it too much because at the time I wrote it, that was not a big deal. Yeah. Um, and not in people's uh, frame of what they were talking about. Mm-hmm. I think, and especially um, with not living here in North Carolina at that time, yeah, uh, it wasn't, you know, in the mainstream and talked about. People in Georgia definitely were not talking about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, but that influenced me in that I knew I had to write about it. Yeah. Because why weren't people talking about it? And then shortly thereafter, you know, especially with the ushering in of uh, Caitlyn Jenner and everything, mm-hmm. people were talking about it a lot more. And then with yeah. HB2 and different things have led to it being much more of a discussion. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad for that fact that I felt like, you know, I was spurred to write it and it kind of seems to be a good time. Mm-hmm. So what has the feedback kind of been like from obviously like your audience here is, you know, kind of mixed because in the triangle, like you tend to find mostly liberal people. But at the same time, we are still in the South. Yeah. So what has the reaction kind of been like to yeah, you know, a book that's, like this? That's funny. Uh, my husband teaches school and he and I talk about that because he teaches in Cary, though we live here mm-hmm. in Raleigh. And especially around the time of the election, we were just shocked. And I was at the dog park talking with people. But I was reminded when I went and drove to visit a friend of mine, we meet in Statesville because she lives yeah. in the mountains. When I got about 20 minutes outside of Raleigh and saw all the different posters that were so contrary to what I was thinking, people are thinking. Yeah. I thought, wow, I'm kind of in a bubble here. Mm -hmm. And I've been, you know, glad that some of the feedback for some of the other people that live in their own bubble has been good. Yeah. Which was my point of it, that I made Queen, uh, the actual character of her, palatable enough and eased people into her lifestyle so that I'm not leaving things out, but they're able to hear about things they usually don't want to hear about. Yeah. Um, And really, they like her and care about her as a person. They're not as trapped up in her race and gender yet until they get to know her. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that's how I think we should never be trapped up in people's labels. Yeah. We shouldn't label people. So that was my point of it. Mm-hmm. So the feedback has been good, but I'm always aware that, that we're in a bubble. Yeah. And even it'll touch down now. And then when you really start talking to people, uh, sort of that idea of implicit bias, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. We No one will say, I'm a racist or oh, yeah. I'm against homosexuals. Very rarely in Raleigh do you yeah. hear that out somewhere. A blatant, you know. Blatant. Kind of. But you start talking to them about, oh, or looking at what friends do they have? Mm-hmm. Where do they go? What interactions are they having? They're very much grouping with the same people. Yeah. And they would not want their son or daughter coming home and telling them, oh, I'm I'm going to transition. Or I'm going to do this. So ultimately, there there are some biases there, yeah. you know. It's definitely, within Raleigh, it's definitely a very progressive community that doesn't really compare to the rest of North Carolina. Right. Because um, North Carolina, especially being so close to the South, yet like one of those border states, it can always be kind of iffy, you know, to know where people's true kind of ideas lie um, on certain topics like that. Yeah. And I don't know that people know themselves until it happens to them. Yeah. You know, I, I grew up in a suburban family in Southern Pines. It's very Southern area. Mm-hmm. 
but uh, my parents were always, my mom taught in public school, my parents were always very much against racism or anything like that. And yet when my sister ended up marrying a, a black guy, a total different story. Yeah. That's when it hit home. And then we had to have separate holidays for a while and it was the whole nine yards. Yeah. So that to me too was important, I guess, to write, even touching on the race issue, mm-hmm. is that I do think so many people have those little, you know, close to things that they don't want people to touch. Yeah. Well, and even I'm they not... themselves don't realize, you know, like right. where those biases come from or like how they will play out, you know? Yeah. You know, like I'm not racist or this until you cross this line. Mm-hmm. And just gradually, I guess that's my whole goal as a writer is to constantly be uh, painting the black paint over those white lines. Yeah. <laughs> people keep putting, you know. Yeah, so we're going to take a quick break and listen to some music. But when we come back, we're going to hear an excerpt from Queen and talk a little bit more about your writing process. My name's Sarah, and you're listening to the Oak City Move, a weekly program here on WKNC. I'm here with Suzanne Miller, a uh, local author here from North Carolina, and she's going to read an excerpt from her new book, Queen. So this section is called The Tranny. And I actually labeled each section in the book with certain labels. It rotates in three sections of the cop, the tranny, and the girl because I wanted us to think about the labels we give each other. Mm -hmm. So that is why I called it the tranny. So this is Queen's first section as the tranny. Rodrigo shakes himself off as soon as I set his little ass out on the porch. I laugh at the way he stops short like he's trying to get his wits about him. He's a sassy little thing. Has been since the day we found him. All scrawny and starved this one summer out back at this cabana restaurant, where me and Lisa was both working at the time. Crazy Cuban ran that place. He was hell-bent on calling animal control as soon as Rodrigo was rooting around behind the dumpster. He's no dog, he's a rat, he carried on. Didn't take no thought at all for me to intervene. I told him it didn't matter what he looked like. He was one of God's creatures and had a use like anything else. The minute I walked in the house with him, Lisa made it known she wasn't thrilled. Said we was all well enough to take care of ourselves, but he ran right over hopped up on the couch and went to lick in her cheek. It was like he knew she was the one to win over. Hell, nowadays, I gotta put in a petition to get any time with him. Going back to unpacking, I plumb forget all about how long he's been outside when there's a knock. Being the social butterfly that I am, I don't think twice about waltzing right over and throwing open the door when I see the startled face of a little girl in front of me. I'm reminded that not only am I a long way from Florida, but I got on hot pink daisy dukes with a crop top seat to boot. What's done is done. I look behind her. Ain't nobody else out there. Streets dead as a doornail. One in this welcoming party. We stand here taking each other in. Don't know which one of us is more alien on this here planet, seeing as we're both about equally as strange. It's got to be 90 degrees, and here this child is standing decked out head to toe in black. She's got pudge on her, too, sweating like a whore in church. Got a studded leather cuff on her wrist like she's hoping a biker gang's going to ride through here any minute and ask her to join up. I finally say, seeing as the cat sure enough got her tongue, she holds Rodrigo out to me. Is this your dog? She asks with a southern drawl that'll make me seem more like a New Yorker than a Florida belle that I am. I take him off her hands, set him down behind me, and he scurries on inside. Rodrigo, you know better, I scold. Hope he didn't tear up nothing. I tell you, most days he's nothing but a hot mess. She looks past me, curious as all get out as to what someone like myself's got in their house. Come on in. I offer standing aside. Her head shakes so hard, I think it's going to up and snap off her little white neck. No, ma'am, my mom would have my daddy wear me out if I go in a stranger's house. I put a hand on her hip. Hmm, that there is a problem, I tell her. 
She looks down the street like she's watching for her mama to catch her for making it even this far. Well, I'm Queen May Braxton, I announce, putting my hand out. Her chubby, pale hand reaches up and shakes mine. I see her looking at my long purple nails. I'm guessing it's the first time she's seen any acrylics like these. Charlotte Grace Danby, she replies, smooth as maple syrup over hotcakes. Mmm, child, I envy you that. Now that there is a name, I exclaim. Her putty cheeks get red as Julia Roberts' red dress, the one she wore in Pretty Woman, in that scene where she's waiting on Richard Gere up at the bar. Got to be my favorite of all time. Mm-hmm. Julia put everybody to shame in that dress. Yes, she did. Rodrigo runs back over between my legs and sets out on Charlotte Grace's shoes. He paws at her feet, just looking up at her. He wants to be picked up. Now, see there? Rodrigo's done gone and invited you in, too. Y'all already acquainted. You know each other 15 minutes at least. Where I come from, that makes you far from being strangers, I laugh. She picks him up, stands there like a statue, thinking it over. Child, you ever hear tell of a serial killer or a kidnapper who had him some acrylic nails and a chihuahua with Swarovski crystals on his collar to boot? Her mouth drops, but she's finally able to shake her head. Well, then come on in here. You can tell me your story while I'll unpack. Best not to be bored out of my mind up in this joint. I move a few boxes. She comes in real slow, sits down even slower like the couch is going to come to life and bite her. Something wrong, I ask? No, ma'am, it's just that I haven't seen an orange sofa before. Neither had I before this one, honey. That's why I had to have it. Velvet, too. Ain't it something? She nods. Rodrigo gets real comfy on her lap, and she takes a stroke in his back. You got a dog, I ask? She shakes her head. You should. You real good with him, I say. We don't have time for dogs, and they're very dirty. She schools me with this line she's rehearsed and got down pat. Kids got a lot of those lines. Lord knows I did. Pretty is as pretty does. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Just a couple of the ones my mama drilled into us. Not in any mean way, but just by saying them every time we turn around. Hmm. Well, Rodrigo don't get too dirty. He's a bona fide gentleman. And when he gets a wild hair and rolls in something nasty, well, I just march his little ass to the kitchen, sink and spray him off, and like I'm cleaning a skillet. Her eyes get as big as plates. Those pretty woman red cheeks come back. I realize I've done gone and said serial killer, kidnapper, and now ass to this child in the last ten minutes. Lord above, that's exactly why I tell Lisa, adoption ain't in the cards. I couldn't have no filter if I tried. Had one all growing up, and ever since I used a crowbar and popped that thing off, it's been broke all beyond recognition. Thank you so much. Again, that was an excerpt from the new book, Queen. So tell me, what was it like establishing that sort of dialect when it's not one that you use yourself well I just someone told me recently when they read another one of my books like how do you come up with a character and I I don't I Mm -hmm. literally I've heard other authors say this but it it was literally true for me I start hearing a character talk to me and I just have to listen yeah so the whole time I listen to her story and kind of weave it in and that's literally just how she talked to me the whole time I would Mm -hmm. hear her character But it's funny because I actually uh, was kind of going back and forth with an agent who repped a really favorite book of mine. And I wanted to get her, you know, to rep my book, but she wanted the whole story written only from Queen's perspective. Yeah. And Queen didn't tell it to me that way. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't do it. Yeah. You know, I tried. I tried to sit there and kind of really pull it out, but it just, that's not how I heard it. Yeah. So yeah, that's pretty much, it's just, it's told to me by the character. So how is it to with speaking, using that dialect? I feel like it'd be really hard to speak fluently and clearly, like in a dialect and an accent that you don't use yourself. Well, I taught, that's where the school teaching days come <laughs> back in. And I used to do storytelling at schools where I taught mm-hmm. um, for a kid series I did. 
So kind of getting in touch with the acting and any yeah. character that I do, and that's kind of referring to part of the writing process, I will speak like that character even into my notes app on my phone mm-hmm. and just really live in that character. So um, sometimes that's embarrassing if I'm on a walk with my dog <laughs> or something, <laughs> I'm walking down the street. But yeah, I try to, that's where the acting comes in. I did do yeah. theater in college and I try to embody that character Yeah, so that I can hear their voice more clearly. And understand kind of where they're mm-hmm. coming from. So what is kind of your process now? Like once you've written the book, how are you getting it out there and like making it so that other people can can learn about it and read it? Sure. Well, I do Twitter. Um, that's my only mode of social media that yeah. I do is Twitter. Um, so I try to do that and try to also follow other authors on Twitter mm-hmm. and promote their things as well and kind yeah. of have those mutual relationships. And then I also lead um, and help out with uh, my friend Hamed Muhammad, a writing cohort at So-and-So Books. Okay. And we have an open mic every third Wednesday of the month. Okay. And so we all sort of promote each other's work there. We love to welcome new writers. Um, We love to have anybody new come that has work. We have people read nonfiction memoirs they're doing, nonfiction of any kind, poetry, um, fiction of any kind. And they come and sign up for five-minute segments, first 12, first come, first serve. Yeah. And, yeah, we do it regular every third Wednesday. So I've kind of – probably been plugged in there about two years now. Okay. And so-and-so is a great bookstore that helps promote local authors. Mm-hmm. They have sold my books there and are the only bookstore in the area that I keep them there that sells them and only go through them Yeah, because I'm also, I live in their neighborhood, so I okay. try to promote them. But I do it a lot that way and word of mouth, definitely like telling people, I'm probably not the best marketer because I don't <laughs> do Facebook, I don't do Instagram. Yeah. I did for a short time. You know, my friend got me into those for a short time when she moved. Mm-hmm. But I just didn't like it. And I thought I took a seven month hiatus from most almost all of it. Yeah. And I thought if I'm going to do one, I'll do Twitter because I actually made a lot of writing connections and uh-huh. relationships with Twitter. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much it. How I kind of try to get the word out. It's mm-hmm. it's difficult nowadays. People don't tend to read as much. Yeah. Uh, played around with doing the trailer that you were mm-hmm. nice enough to host and trying to put out book trailers. People will watch a short video clip. Yeah. So, yeah, you just have to kind of initially get them interested in the character. Um, looking into definitely trying to do more audio eventually because I think people yeah. listen to audio books a lot. Yeah, definitely. Especially, like, with the different dialects that you have um, ready at the hand for each of the characters so that they can sort of hear the voice that you have in right. mind for the character. Yeah. Oh, you're saying I'd have to do the audio. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying <laughs> I don't want to do all that. To do it. Yeah, that's true. Or get someone else. But that's that's difficult. You yeah. Know. Like Somebody even, get the proper voice that you had envisioned for the characters right a lot. That's, that's hard so even to like so are you self-published or how how was the publishing process i guess for you like you wrote the book and then you're like now what right um well i always i do send out feelers mm-hmm. when i write a book to see different agents that i like if they're yeah. willing but the past two that i've worked back and forth with i haven't been willing to do what they want to do yeah and like i was saying she wanted the main agent that i was really interested in wanted queen to write the whole book mm-hmm didn't really do that. And so to me, shopping for agents is a lot like dating. You have to know what am I not going to, you know, go over the line and what am I not going to do and really create space. There's avenues. I love create space. They've made it so easy for people to sell. A lot of people don't like them because they're on Amazon, but I still then, you know, sell through so-and-so and they Mm -hmm. still get a profit. Yeah. So, but I like create space. I think it helps a lot of authors who, I wouldn't be able to have access otherwise. Yeah. And I like it because I get to choose, have say so about the cover. 
Yeah. Um, different things like that. So, but even my next one I'm already writing, I, I'll definitely probably send out a couple feelers, but mm-hmm. I so much like create space. I don't, I don't know. And it's yeah. even a little more taboo than this one. So I really don't know. <laughs> so what's the next book about like kind of a vague shape of that? Yeah. The next, my next one is called hashtag Darla Pom Pom and it'll come out next summer and it's all about an online porn princess. Oh, wow. Okay. And kind definitely of dealing- not mainstream. No, but kind of in a way, it takes you through one week of her life and Mm -hmm. sort of her and helping everyone confront what is the sexualization of America and what is the sexualization of everything done to us as a culture. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of a near and dear topic to me as well. I, you know, I was coming of age in college when the Internet was just being accessible to everyone. Yeah. And I went to a private school, so my husband and I, in fact, would have to tattle on. We were over the floor. We were like an RA, resident assistant. We'd have to monitor if people were getting onto porn sites and stuff oh, and tell on them. Yeah. And they could potentially have gotten kicked out if they kept doing that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, just thinking about that concept of who's not going to when it's accessible all the yeah. time in your hand now mm-hmm. on your phone. Oh, yeah. Um, and what that does to people's minds and how it's changing relationships. Yeah. You know, I um, heard an excerpt, uh, you guys advertising where they're even going to show the hunting ground again yeah. about assault and on campuses specifically. Uh-huh. And yeah, to me, we have this culture that's being created and ripe for that kind of thing. Yeah. And yet we're wondering why is it happening? Uh-huh. So to, yeah, Darla Pom Pom is extremely important to me because I want people to see that and walk in someone's life yeah. that a lot of those girls, they didn't sit around in first grade dreaming of being into internet porn. Yeah. <laughs> but. And even to are. a big debate within like the feminist community is kind of um, there's a big sort of rift like where a lot of people will claim that uh, women that start in pornography, things like that, like that is anti-feminist. Whereas and then on the opposite side, you'll have people, you know, kind of saying that reclaiming one's sexuality and using it as a means of making money. I mean, actually goes along with the idea of feminism in a certain way. So it's it's a very tricky subject in terms of what it means for especially for a woman to do pornography and things like that right and isn't that aren't we kind of coming into a new age of some sort of oh i don't know um disabling feminism in a way in that women have bought into the idea that we can do what men were having us do as long as we're making the money for it yeah and then it's feminism Mm -hmm. i read a really good book recently called girls and sex by peggy orenstein and she writes a lot about how young girls are being affected by our culture it was a mind blower, just the ideas that girls have about sexuality versus boys and yeah. the ideas that are fed to us since we're young about sex. And, yeah, I think that's important to denote the difference that if you're doing the same thing that you wouldn't like a man imposing on you, yeah, but you're doing it yourself and, oh, you're getting the cash for it, how is it really any different? Yeah. Except that you've decided, oh, I'm getting paid for this. It's okay. <laughs> and even with pornography consumption to like the demographics are about equal between male and female right but the stereotype was always that you know it's only males that are consuming this media you know and just kind of the stigma around females that you know use pornography or watch pornography um whereas there's not really one around male viewers right and there's not as much as there's not as much anymore you watch a lot of comedy shows women joke about it yeah now it's becoming a lot more accepted but there's still Right. And I've watched a couple of documentaries about um, female pornography uh, producers. Mm-hmm. They were in the films at one point. Now they're older. One, I can't remember their name and I actually don't want to tell it because I wouldn't want anyone to like patronize their work and go see it. But 
it was actually a mother-daughter team. It was literally their family yeah. business. That was a mind blower to me. But yeah, it's getting much less taboo for women. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so scary is that now, you know, it doesn't have to be this big macho culture. It's they're making porn specifically for women to watch. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's just strange how that's going to change everything. And you think about like the stories of how people met now and their relationships they have. So many people now, it's such a hookup culture of, oh, I've got to try you out before we would date. And you'll even hear that. Like, we like to watch that love connection sometimes. And one guy even was so bold as to say that, like, yeah, I'm not going to spend over $100 on dates before we get together, before we hook up so I can see how it would work out. Basically like putting a price tag on it. But this is the culture we have created and allowed to be created, Mm -hmm. you know. So, yeah, that's a a pretty important topic to me. But I... To circle back to what you were asking about the publishing process, I like that freedom to not have to worry about, oh, well, I can talk about these topics and I I can't Mm -hmm. because, you know, as soon as you get an agent, as soon as you get a bigger publisher, they're going to be saying, well, now your last book was about this and you're kind of in this category in the bookstore, so we don't want to put that. So there's a lot of freedom in being able to do things like create space. And then from the design aspect, what what was your like thought process in terms of designing the cover and just the different aspects of this book. Right. Well, I actually was disappointed. I found the perfect person I would love to have been queen on the cover. Yeah. Um, A black transgendered young woman, but I could never nail down. uh, They didn't, the periodical that had her picture did not get her to sign a release Mm -hmm. for them. So they gave me her last phone number they had from like 10 years ago. So I could not get in touch with her. And I thought, no, you don't want a chance using that. I did use it some for like the promo posters themselves, yeah. but the actual cover, I when I was forced to kind of rethink it then, I thought, you know, I wanted to do the glitzy shoe keychain because it's a critical object in the story. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty big. Uh, my last one too, I used a critical object in the story so that people are automatically wondering, hmm, what does that have to do with the story? Yeah. And I thought as well it would not bias people versus some people who might see a transgender person on the cover. They might have a little more trouble even picking that up. And that's not what I wanted. I want it to be a sneak attack in a way and for people to pick it up who usually wouldn't. So that's why I went with the the shoe keychain. So what advice would you have for anybody that wants to write or specifically people that want to write about difficult topics? I think... uh, Oh, it's a lot of quotes that come to mind about writing, that writing is is a cruel mistress that demands the whole man. I heard that one once. Like, I hear that about art, too. I always tell people, don't write unless you have to. Mm -hmm. It is not something I don't personally enjoy when I go to writing events and someone gets up and says, oh, well, I, you know, I retired and I don't really like to paint anymore. I don't really like to crochet. So I thought I might write. That yeah. to me, that makes me kind of sick because <laughs> I'm like, kind of like is... forcing themselves to write. Yeah, or to think of it as a hobby. Mm-hmm. This is not something you go to Hobby Lobby and <sighs> pick up new pens, and I'm going to yeah. just suddenly write. Now, hey, I do think people can pick up things, different things in different times of their life. Yeah, and they might be a great writer, like uh, Lois Lowry that did The Giver and some of my favorite young adult books. She didn't yeah. write till she was forty, mm-hmm. so I shouldn't say that's not going to happen for some of those people. But I've dedicated my life to this, basically. So I, that's what I'm looking for, for people to dedicate a portion of their life and their mindset. Writing is a mm-hmm. mindset. So you can access that at any time that you're walking around, you're hearing stories coming in. You can, you know, people often get that concept of, oh, they have to have this three or four hours to write yeah. at a time. 
uh, Julia Cameron wrote The Artist's Way, which is huge. And she also mm-hmm. did another one about writing. But The Artist's Way, when I was more of a visual artist, helped me to tap into creativity at any time. Yeah. So that's what I would tell people to do is start reading things. If you're unable to kind of find your voice and unable to start writing, maybe take a small take a class or get in a community like mm-hmm. like the open mic community that we have that fosters you writing. Because for one thing, that third Wednesday comes around. I want yeah. a new piece of writing. Yeah. For that. So that gives me a deadline in a way mm-hmm. and a goal. So I think you have to surround yourself with other people who are interested in that, too. Yeah. And yet tell yourself that you can do it. I, I was always a believer in that when I taught art classes. And some people disagree with me. But I think if you want to write a book, you can. It may just take you longer than someone else. Yeah. If the desire is there, that you can definitely do it. You just have to use resources. So, yeah, just foster that desire. Don't let people act like you can't do it. Don't listen to other people, you know. And I think be willing to take good feedback about your work if people have different things that, hey, this character, I didn't really believe that part. Mm-hmm. Definitely feedback's important. Um, there's a great TED Talk, actually, The Seven Habits of a Highly Effective Artist. Mm-hmm. You can use all those things for writing, yeah. too. And that's one thing he talks about is feedback. But, yeah, I think you have to have such a balance to be a writer to shut out voices and to let voices in. And be operating in that and not not think it's going to be, you know, something that is necessarily a huge career change because many people will never write and make their full money at it. Yeah. And that shouldn't be the goal. Your goal mm-hmm. should not be to make money at it. Your goal should be what do you need to communicate to the world? And if you're not really doing it to communicate something to other people, I don't there's other hobbies. Yeah, <laughs> there's actual hobbies to have. Not that, <laughs> you know. So, so yeah, think about what do you want to say? What does your life story lend itself to talk about? What themes are you versed in that other people need to hear about, need to hear your perspective about? Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And we can see you on third Wednesday of every month at So-and-So Books, correct? Right. And we can find your book on Amazon, right? And at So-and-So Books, correct? Yeah. And August 16th, next Wednesday, I'm really looking forward to the actual book launch of Queen mm-hmm. um, at the open mic. So I'd love for anybody to come out and get there at 630. And there's also some other great books to look around and enjoy at So-and-So. And it's also a local business in Raleigh, so it's important to support them. Yeah. And if you missed any part of this interview or want to listen to it again, it will be up on the WKNC website at WKNC.org.